We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. You could turn to 2 Peter. Chapter 1, verses, we're going to cover verses 3 through 11. Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And it says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to be covering in the next four weeks. You are stuck with me for four weeks or until Pastor Alex comes back, whichever comes first. And we're going to be covering Second Peter. Uh, it's a small epistle, short epistle, only three chapters, but it's full of beautiful theology and beautiful promises. Um, and there's obviously, just like the rest of the Word of God, it's filled with these beautiful truths and promises that come from God for us, right? And the word that we want to focus on in the next four weeks, which is mentioned 16 times in this epistle, is the word knowledge. Knowledge. All right. Now we live in an age of a lot of knowledge, right? Well, information, let's say. <laughs> the information age, right? A lot of it lies, unfortunately. Um, a lot of fake news, fake media, false doctrine, and lies in general. We have been saturated by information, but never so ignorant. Bless you. As a society, we want to know so much, right? Um, how do we find peace? What's out there in space? How do we end hate? How do we end injustice? How do we do this? How do we do that? Constantly Googling stuff. 
crazy that Google has become another word for search, right? You see, even information has changed the way we talk. It's no longer searching, we just Google it. But we want to know, we want to know, we want to know. There's a few quotes I have here. So there's a writer, John Naisbitt, says, we are drowning in information. We are drowning in information, but starving for knowledge. Drowning in information, but starving for knowledge. Ruben Blades, famous salsa singer. If you never heard his songs, by the way. Amazing. That guy's such a poet. He's, he's got a PhD, I think it is, a lawyer. Almost went for, I think, president of Panama. Um, so even though he's a salsa singer, he's a very intelligent man and has a lot to say. He says, I think we risk becoming the best informed society that has ever died of ignorance. And this is an unknown author. We are all born ignorant, but one must work hard to remain stupid. <laughs> there are a lot of people working hard. <laughs> In and out of church, let me tell you. Right? Especially in the day of information, to remain ignorant to so many things. It's an intentional thing to be like, I don't want to know. I want to remain ignorant, right? And that's a sad place to be, especially in this church, right? Where, and I've said this before from the pulpit, it's one of my biggest frustrations, that there is so much biblical ignorance in the church. Not only that, there's apathy in the church where not just biblical ignorance, but people want to stay that way. They want to stay ignorant. They don't want to learn, right? They just want to come on Sundays and listen to the Word of God, but not study their own Word, the Word of God, throughout the week and remain ignorant, unfortunately. But what does the Lord say, right? In Jeremiah, we're going to see what the Bible says about knowledge and what we should know. These are some famous verses. Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24, it says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, mercy, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. So if we are to know anything, we are to know him. Know his word and his will for us, right? If we are to boast, let's boast about knowing the Lord and his word. So like I said, in the next few weeks, we're going to go, we're going to get to know Jesus according to Peter in his second epistle. So just a little background in the second epistle before we get into this word knowledge and how it's broken down in this epistle. This second epistle is written to the same people, Asia Minor, as the first one. Peter was growing very concerned about the false teachers who were infiltrating the early church spreading lies and half-truths about Jesus. It also, the second epistle is very important because we see in this epistle, in verses, chapter 1, verses 13 and 15, that he knew his days were over. He knew, Peter knew he was about to die, right? 
So we all know, you know, if someone knows they're going to die, their words are very important, right? The last words of a man, especially someone like Peter, who's one of the apostles that saw Jesus. So his words are very important, right? And they were about to go with him. Historians believe that Peter was in a Roman prison awaiting death, right? And we, as we know, historians say that he was killed, crucified upside down because he didn't deem it worthy to be crucified like his Savior. Um, but many think at this time when he wrote it, um, it was in a Roman prison. In this epistle, he exposes false teachers, their, den their lies, denial of Christ, the twisting of scripture. And they also, um, he also exposes that they began to mock the second coming of Christ. And because of that, live immoral lives as well. These supposed pastors, teachers of the word of God were living immoral lives. And we see a theme throughout this book as well in this letter that the product of destructive heresies and twisting scriptures is wickedness and a life of wickedness. When the word of God is manipulated and used to justify sinful lives, it causes wickedness in the heart of men under the guise of spirituality and enlightenment. The word is meant to convict of what? Sin. And meant for man to repent, to see their sinful nature, to turn from their sinful ways and turn their eyes upon Jesus. But these false teachers were doing the exact opposite. In order to live for him, we have to know who he is. In order for, to live a life of Christianity, a life of, let me say Christianity, because that's open to interpretation, depending on who you ask. A life of biblical holiness and godliness. We need to know who he is and what he wants for us. I don't know how people say they live a life of godliness, but don't read his word. I mean, like, well, how do you know what to do then? This is the instruction manual on how to do it. Right? Um, we have to seek his will every day. It is a knowledge that surpasses all understanding when you seek his word, right? And like I said, that word knowledge appears 16 times in this epistle. The best way to fight false doctrine is godly knowledge that comes from reading his word. We need two, doc two true doctrine, sound doctrine, more than ever. We are living in an age, as you all know, when absolutes and natural laws that have been accepted forever are being twisted and denied. Right? I hate to bring it up over and over, but the pastor said it too, just male and female, such a simple concept of what is a man and a woman, right? Not even roles of what a woman should do, what a man should do. It's biologically what a man and a woman is, right? That has not been questioned since the beginning of time and we're questioning it nowadays, right? And now more than ever, we need to stand firm in the truth and the truth of Jesus Christ. And more than ever, we need sound doctrine preached from the pulpit. We need to give people hope, eternal hope, not just temporary happiness, but eternal joy knowing our lives are secure in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Right? Some people say there was one of my staff that I work with. Um, she's a believer. Um, more charismatic, a lot more charismatic than our church. And she sometimes asks me, um, you know, what we preach from, from the pulpit, right, whether it's prosperity and so on. I said, it's a simple gospel. 
um, she said you talk about deliverance and healing and blah 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 blah, blah right etc etc I said not really I mean there we talk about healing in Jesus Christ because the Lord still heals right not the way many people think or do sometimes um, in their church um, but she said oh my goodness that sounds boring she said what kind of songs do you sing we sing hymns Ooh. right <laughs> that sounds boring but you know what I'd rather I won't say have a boring church but I'd rather be on here only have three people and preach sound doctrine than have 10,000 people and just you know preach about emotionalism and preach to your emotion right and just preach to make you feel good and not preach about the gospel of Christ um, more and more we need to preach the gospel not only from the pulpits but in our families and in our homes like I said, we are in an age where so much information is being cast upon us. And not only us, you know, as older people, I would say, hey, hopefully we have more discernment. But eh. kids how would nowadays, though, you know, they're still learning. Their, their brains are still being molded, right? It's still growing. And they have so much more information. I know than when I was growing up. Um, and we have to, in our homes, be able, be equipped, especially fathers, be able to discern what's evil and what's godly and be able to teach what is godly and in order to do that we need to study the word of god right so we will break up the next four weeks into four different themes based on knowledge the first one we're going to cover today covers what we read this morning chapter 1 verses 3 through 11 and it's a, and it's know your salvation know your salvation next week Know your scriptures. That's chapters 1, 12 to 21. Then we're going to cover know your adversaries or your enemies. That's chapter 2. And we're going to end with know your prophecy. Chapter 3. So know your salvation, which we'll cover today. Know your scriptures. Know your adversaries. Know your scriptures, know your adversaries, and know your prophecy. So let's start with the time we have very quickly. Verses 1, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, know your salvation. And we're going to go verse by verse very quickly. So verses 1 through 2, it says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. And as we said before, he's addressing the same people he did before, the believers in Asia Minor. And yes, there were false teachers there, but they were also facing persecution, facing a lot of persecution in this early church. And Peter at the time, right, was a member of the body that was highly respected and loved. He was one of the people that walked with Jesus Christ. His words had power. People listened when he spoke more than ever. And the people needed encouragement. And he gives it to them even in the salutation. In verse 1, when he said, To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, what precious faith? What precious salvation? The Greek word he uses there means the salvation that we have, that we have obtained here is of the same honor and value. 
the Greek word is that salvation that we both have is the same honor and value, right? It doesn't matter that I am Peter, the one that walked with Jesus, right? It's the same honor and value as yours. That just creates unity, that we are all the same in Jesus Christ. We have different roles, but in, in his eyes, through the blood of Christ, we are all found righteous. And this was to give encouragement, right? To say, we, yes, I know I'm Peter, and I know you hold me in high regard, but your eyes should be upon Jesus and on Jesus, right? That our righteousness is only found in him. And in verse 2 is the first time we see that word knowledge in this epistle, right? It says in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied you in the knowledge of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word used here is not gnosis or just knowing. It's just a simple, just I know something, right? I, I know how to get to Christian Bible Temple without using a GPS by now. I just know, right? The word here is not just gnosis, just knowing something or knowledge of something. It's, the word is epigenosko, epigenosko, which is, not just knowing, but a full discernment, recognition, or acknowledgement, an intimate knowledge of something. It's not just simply knowing, it's an intimate, full understanding of something, full acknowledgement and recognition. It's not just knowing Jesus the man. There was a man named Jesus 2,000 years ago. Gnosis, just knowledge, common knowledge but fully acknowledging that he is Savior and Lord. Like Peter says, the more we know him, and it says in verse 2, the more we intimately know him and get to know him, and the more we seek his face, the more grace and peace are multiplied. Right? And it's not just that knowing who he is, it's that deep understanding of who he truly is and his nature. And through that, grace and are multiplied. So a quick question. Raise your hand if you want peace and grace in your life. Amen. I was going to say even Lucas raised his hand, but he's not in here. But, but if you want grace and peace to be multiplied in your life, know him. And not just know, see, just know, oh, yeah, there's this man we worship in our church. His name is Jesus. No, who he is to you personally. And you only do that by studying his word every single day. Epigenoskis, right? Just getting really to know him, right? So that's verse 1 and 2, just encouraging the church that to get to know him. You want grace and peace and persecution, get to fully know him, right? Um, and I am with you in this battle. That is what Peter is telling the church. Also, we see in verses 3 through 4 that our salvation is given through his divine power. Our salvation is obtained through his divine power. It's in a verse, it says in verses 3 through 4, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through through lust, right? When you trust in him as your Lord and Savior, fully know him, acknowledge him as Savior, he 
Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, gives us everything we need for eternal life and the life of godliness. It's all through him and his divine power. We can't do anything to gain our salvation, right? Most of you know that. But we also don't need anything more to live a life of godliness. He has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. Now, whether we tap into that power through his holy word and trusting in his Holy Spirit is a choice we have to make every day. Some of us, it's every minute of the day to live a life of godliness, right? To tap in to the riches that God has given us through the Holy Spirit and through his divine power. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So our eternal life is held, kept by the power of God. Therefore, don't let, don't let anyone tell you any different. You cannot lose your salvation. There's a lot of churches that are preaching lose your salvation. If you're not baptized in water, you were never saved. If you sin, you lose your salvation. Blah, 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 blah. We will never preach that from this pulpit because it is not biblical. Right? Your salvation is secure in Jesus Christ and held by his power. It is, thank God, it's not because of our own merits, right? Because I would have lost it years ago. And many of you here too because you're laughing. Some of y'all lost it on the ride over here. <laughs> Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Doña Maria's favorite verse. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there goes the gospel, right? He calls us to this knowledge, the knowledge of knowing him and a clear understanding of his gospel. That's why it's so important to preach sound doctrine, right? It's important to let people know that they are sinners, to know that they are separated from God because of their sin, 
Know that they must repent of their sin, knowing that he has died on the cross, was buried, and rose on the third day. And know that if they repent and trust in him, they will truly, fully acknowledge Epigenosco, know him as their father and savior. So that's part of knowing your salvation, knowing that we are saved by his divine power, and that salvation is held by his divine power. So look, let's look at verse 4 now. It says in the last part of verse 3, By glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through, through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Right? So it's because of his glory and virtue that he has given us this exceedingly great precious promises, eternal life, promises to never leave us, promise to always be there for us in his time, to hold us close to his bosom, and so many other promises found in the word of God. And to remember that corruption that we have escaped from. And that corruption, the word, the Greek word used there is the word decay, when something is rotten. Right? That you were dead in your sins, you were decaying and corrupt and rotten before Jesus Christ. The walking dead, right, before AMC Channel came out with it. Jesus Christ already had that title, right, for those who were with him, without him, before Jesus Christ. So to remember that he saved us from that corruption and decay, it is only through his power that we are saved, are holy, and saved from that corruption, right? And it is our choice to stay holy and godly and not to go back to that decay, right? And we're going to see that later in his epistle where he talks about those false teachers are like those famous uh, verses, like a dog going back to his what? Vomit. Or like a pig that has been washed. And where does a pig go back to? All that mud, right? So keep that in mind, that knowledge of where he saved us from. Because sometimes after years of being saved, I've been saved for, what are we, 2023? 22 years. And praise God, he has used me in a great way to his glory. Right? But I have to remember what he saved me from. If I don't remember and I only see that by studying the word of God, I can always go back to it, right? None of us are exempt from that. That's why we have to truly stay in him and keep our eyes upon Jesus. Verse 5 through 9, it says, But also for this reason, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his sins. So because of God, all God has done for us, through his divine power, we cannot be indifferent to his saving grace. We should be changed every day transformed by the renewing of our minds and be holy because he is holy. In the verse 5, it says, giving all diligence. The word here is applying our maximum effort to discipline ourselves to live godly lives. 
all diligence, maximum effort. It takes effort and intentional choices to live a life of godliness. To say no to certain things and yes to others. That takes discipline and a lot of effort and work. We are not saved by our works, but we are to show our faith through our works. And in this big list that we'll quickly go through, we begin with our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, right? It says, add to your faith virtue. The word here for virtue is moral excellence, right? And the word, the Greek word means valor or manliness. Or another definition that I love this one, it's hardcore. God-given ability to perform heroic deeds. Yeah. That God-given ability to go out there and be a man and have integrity and be tough, stand up for what is right. And this goes for all the women too. It says manliness, but it just means that spirit, right, to go out there and stand up for Jesus Christ, to stand up for your faith in moral excellence. It's not just talking the talk, but it's walking the walk. It's speaking up and standing up for what is honorable, right, and godly. To have virtue, moral excellence. And we need it now more than any other time, right? To be, um, to have that valor and that courage. And the God-given ability to perform heroic deeds out there and speak up um, with the gospel. And so to this moral excellence, to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, what we've been talking about, is studying and discerning the word of God um, every single day and seeking his face. To knowledge, self-control. So as you get to know more and more, the more self-control you have, right? The power to discipline yourself and not be controlled by your own lust and emotion. The word here was used for athletes that were able to get their body under control so that they could train and become the best athlete that they could become, right? Say no to certain things and yes to certain things, right? I'm training for a half marathon that Eddie punked out of and didn't want to run with me. I still love you, Eddie. It's a half marathon on September 23rd, and I think many of the leaders here have run a half marathon. Luis, got to get on it, man. But no, when you're training you got to discipline yourself. Say no to certain things. Sometimes say no to your laziness and your body because your body's like, I want to stay in these covers. It's nice and wonderful and warm. And I don't want to go out there and suffer. <laughs> and want my knees to hurt the next day and my heels the next day and my soul to hurt just because I ran so much. Um, so it's saying no to that. No to yourself and going out there and doing what you have to do so you could run the best race, right? Moral excellence or virtue guided by knowledge of the Holy One disciplines desire and makes it the servant, not the master. So moral excellence or virtue guided by knowledge of Jesus Christ disciplines your desire and makes it the servant, not the master of your life. So that we are controlled by his will and not ours. And to the self-control, now that you are disciplined, perseverance, running that race, because you've trained and disciplined your body, 
going back to that race, when you get to mile six or seven halfway, you're like, oh, I have to do this again, another six to seven miles to do 13 miles. And that's that perseverance to keep on going, to continue going, right? It's not an attitude of defeat, but of victory through trials, right? Kelly, that no matter what you go through, and it's tough. It's just taking a day at a time. I'll take this day and do what I can. This day sucks, but tomorrow will be better. Right? And hopefully tomorrow will be better, but just continue going, continue going, continue going. Right? With that finish line in vision, right? It's always, that's why it's so important to see that finish line. Let me tell you, when I'm running that half marathon, I'm like, yes, three more miles, two more miles, one more mile. Then you see that finish line. And Eddie can attest to it in Alberto too. When you see that finish line, just get that burst of energy, right? And you just, boom, you run that last like 20 feet. But let me tell you, when you cross that finish line, what happens, Eddie and Alberto? You collapse. Whatever energy you had for 10 feet is just gone. But that's why Paul uses the marathon race in his gospel, right? When we're with this life, guess what we're going to do when we get up there? Not collapse, we're going to rest. Collapse in his arms. And all that pain, all that suffering, all that doubt, all that fear, right, that we had to persevere, persecution, we had to persevere our family against us, um, our own doubts, all that stuff, we're going to rest in him when we cross that finish line. And to that perseverance, godliness, to live a life reverently, loyally, and obediently toward God, a life dedicated to Him. And as we live a life of godliness, brotherly kindness, we're going through it, but we're loving each other because we're all going through it. We're all going through it, right? Some trials are evident, some are not. Some of you are going through things that no one else can see, but we're all going through it. And that's why we have to be kind. It does not cost to be kind, cost anything to be kind. And you never know who will be blessed by a kind word, a smile. Right? Just saying, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. Always be kind. And lastly, to brotherly kindness, the last beautiful thing is love. And the greatest of all these is love, agape love, a sacrificial love that shows a true change of heart. A Christ-like love that can only come through knowing Him. That can only come through knowing Him. In verse 8, let's go through verse 8 and we're almost done. It says, For these things are yours and abound. You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The more you know Him, the more you show these attributes and display these attributes in your everyday lives, the more others see his divine nature in you the more you are blessed and the more others are blessed by his love that is manifested through you you are neither useless or unfruitful you allowing his power to flow through all that you do and you will definitely and guarantee you will see his fruit and you will be a blessing to others right and in verse 9 verse 9 it says for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has cleansed us from his sins. For those who don't show these attributes, we have forgotten our first love. We have forgotten that corruption that he has saved us from. We are blind 
right? And so if you see that you're not showing these things, if you're being unkind, if you're being ungrateful, if your life is not showing the life of godliness, go back to his word. Like it says in the book of Revelation, right, to one of the churches, they've lost their first love. Go back to your first love. Rekindle that passion you had for Christ and for living for him by seeking his word every single day. And to wrap up, verses 10 and 11, it summarizes what Peter wants us to know. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here, Peter summarizes the main point of the previous verses. Make sure you know your call or salvation. Do you truly know him? Do you have entrance into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you fully know him? It says if you leave these attributes, you will not stumble. It does not mean you will not sin, unfortunately. It, but it does mean if we have faith, virtue, self-control, knowledge of him, if you persevere, live a life of godliness, show kindness and love, and seek his face, we will not stumble like those who don't and despair and doubt and live a life of fear and defeat. If we follow these attributes, if we show these attributes, we will have a life of hope, a life of confidence in him, a life of victory and joy. And we need to remember his grace and salvation every single day. Always, remember that in, always remembering in verse 11 that our ultimate destiny or destination that no matter what may happen, if you know him fully as your Savior, you will live a life of joy even during trials and hope that his love will eventually bring us to a place of no tears, no suffering, and no pain. And hopefully bring others to him so that they also may know him. So my question to you is, first of all, do you know your salvation? Do you know if you're saved? truly recognize him as your Lord and Savior and if you do are you showing those attributes and are you seeking his face every single day to better know him because I don't know about you but I need him every single day if not I know I would be filled with despair with fear with insecurity and so on so make sure you seek his face every day, every single day. Know your salvation. Know him and preach to others that they may know him as well. Let's pray. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash CBT hyphen sermons.